The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Guys, it's a whole lot of stuff going on in the world of football. Camps are starting to open up. The weather's about to change a little bit. We still have some dog days of summer. Hey, T.Y. Hilton says he want the same kind of money Dez Bryant got. You got to be kidding me. Hey, Adrian Peterson says his goal is to run for 2,500 yards every year, and his legs feel as good as they have ever felt. I'm sure his uh, his four-year-old son probably can't say that. But anyway, uh, Adrian Peterson says he's back. And, and, don't get me wrong, North Turner has to be one of the best offensive coordinators that's probably been in the NFL in a long time. It's not a very good coach, but he says that Teddy Bridgewater is a top-five quarterback in the NFL. It's a whole lot of things going on in this thing called the world of sports. Hey, guys, I hate to say this, but um, my coach, the University of Miami, Coach Al Golden, has made the list of the top ten coaches on the hot seat. And deservingly so, I would have to say that uh, Al Golden deserves to be on the hot seat. In his four years, he's 28 and 22, and uh, and that's just not that's just not the kind of numbers we're we're looking for at at the University of Miami. I mean, come on, Coach. You know, Randy Shannon was doing doing this when he was there, and the program was clean. Not to say that you ran a dirty program, but you just haven't won enough games as far as as far as uh, as far as the fans are concerned in Miami. But guys, let's get back to this NFL and what's going on in the NFL. You know, um, Des Bryant has gotten his money, but now there's stories out that if he hadn't gotten the money, that he was in such financial difficulties that um, he he probably would have been having people knocking at his door, taking his cars, you know. And I and and we we see this all the time. And Des, can we can we count on you this time that you got the money, you got the seventy mil? Can we count on you now to save some of your money? You know, come on, man, you got to live like you don't have nothing, so you'll have something. And if you don't, if you live like you got a whole lot. You won't have a whole lot for long, Des. And, um, hey, we got a call on the line. We got Sean on the line. Sean, what's going on? 
Uh, too much. How you doing tonight? Hey, doing very well. Welcome to the Sports Info You and Radio Show, uh, hosted by yours truly, Daryl Oliver. What's going on with you, Sean? Des Bryant just uh, came out. This is a story just came out that says Des Bryant was in such financial difficulties. If he hadn't gotten a new contract, he would have been having. He would have had the finances knocking on his door, taking his cars, and he was almost late on his rent payment. And you know, you hear that. I actually hear that a lot. Well, a lot of it seems like the NFL players these days always always question it. They always wonder like how how broke really was Des. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to hard to believe that he would he would be completely in financial destitute like that. But I don't know. But um, let me ask you this: so, kind of changing subjects for a second because you're, you're you're close by to my. Jaguars, and I'm out of I'm out of state now. What do you think about uh, the Jaguars this year? How are they going to look? And what do you think about Fowler being out for the year? Is there any chance of him coming back at the end of the year? You think with that ACL injury? You know, I don't. I, I think it's probably best that he doesn't come back. And um, you know, I guess the the, the big question is um, how's Jake Bortles going to um, going to pan out with the Jaguars? You know, uh, he's he's still a question mark. And have 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 the Jaguars thrown him to the wolves too soon? Um, has he gotten a little taste of the medicine too quickly? And and you know, is he going to have happy feet this year? Like we've seen a lot of quarterbacks in the past uh, go through in Jacksonville. Now I'm going to say with that offensive line, I think it, it's hard not to have happy feet there because. I don't. I don't think last year that line. I don't care who you put in there. I mean, if you put Brady, you could have put Tom Brady. You could have had Drew Brees or Manning or whoever. I, I don't think they. I, I tell you what, you put Tom Brady back there last year. I don't think they go to the playoffs, much less the Super Bowl. If he's playing for the Jaguars, you know. So it's hard to say, I guess, with, with Bortles. I mean, on paper, he looks like he's going to be good. He's got you know the size and the arm, but a lot of times that doesn't necessarily pan out. So. Guess time will tell. But I do like what Quinn's doing with the draft. I think he's actually uh, doing a good job of building the team. So hopefully they'll they'll be well. Yeah, and you know, um, I really like the um, the kid Yeldon, the running back that um, that Jacksonville picked up. I think he was a second round pick, but I, I really think that um, he's going to bring a, 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 a. He's the best running back they have in camp right now, without question. That's the Alabama guy, right? Yeah, the Alabama. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like him, too. Yeah. 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 I know you like all the SEC guys. <laughs> and, you know, um, we, we have and with this other kid, um, uh, Alan Hearns, University of Miami. He was a, a standout rookie last year, undrafted. Uh, Jacks, uh, Jaguars picked him up. And he's probably he probably turned out to be their best um, um Wide receiver last year. Yeah, I don't, I don't do uh, the fantasy football stuff, but my understanding is he was quite useful him on your team last year. So he was, he had a especially that first half of the season. He had a great first half, but well, we'll see. I think actually, I think I misquoted. I said Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's the Falcons coach now. They, that's the other Seahawks defensive coordinator that has jumped out of out of Seattle and out to down to the south there. So. Which is actually kind of where I'm, I'm at these days. I'm out in the, I'm out in the Northwest. So I got to follow my, my, my Jaguar from, from across the country. So. I feel you. And, uh, you know, you're out there in, in Oregon and I guess that's, uh, Seahawk country. 
because you, you guys don't have an NFL team in, in Oregon. And, no. um, and, and you know, um, I guess I'd have to ask you, because the Seahawks fan base have to run pretty deep into Oregon. Absolutely. Um, how do fans truly feel about Russell Wilson turning down a $21 million a year contract when we look at this guy and say, hey, man, you threw an interception on the one-yard line. Was it you that audible that play to, to throw this interception? I'm just wondering, how, do, how, do, how are fans looking at uh, Russell Wilson nowadays? I haven't seen, and, you know, I'm not a Seahawks fan myself, but being from, being from Florida, but I haven't seen a whole lot of backlash so far. I mean, and now if he was to hold out or something, you know, in, into the season, I think that would be a, a different story. But right now, I don't think it's really become an issue yet. And whether or not he audible, I don't. I don't know. I, it, it seemed like Pete Carroll tried to take the blame for that last year, and and uh, I don't. I can't imagine. But that that's as a Seahawk, you know, if you are a Seahawk fan, that's got to be a hard, a hard game to ever get over. I mean, you know, games are hard to to get get past sometimes. So I can't imagine that. I mean, that, that one's that one's got to be devastating as a fan. So. Yeah, you know, you hear people you just use the term uh, gut wrenching. You know, that has to be like a gut wrenching feeling, whatever that feeling is. And it's it's a hard feeling, it has to be, but that has to be it because you know you're on the one yard line, you got the best running back in the league. Um, you run straight ahead. It just makes no sense. That that's just asinine yeah, backwards. I think the play before the interception, you know, Lynch should probably run about twelve yards down the field carrying people with him to the one-yard line. So, I mean, yeah, uh, that one didn't make sense to anybody, I don't think, uh, out here or anywhere. So. And I would agree but, with uh, you. I think Pete Carroll kind of um, – he, he sucked up the blame for that one a little bit and um, just to take the heat off the player. And and I think that was a wise decision because um, if Russell Wilson, if it had ever gone down that he made that audible, he would have never been able to live that down in his NFL career. Yeah, that's, that would be a tough one. And I guess only the players really know, you know. So, um, I don't know. But when you get, when you guys going to start getting into the college football again? You're going to start talking you know, about that. You know, man, college football is always a topic on this show. You know, whether we're talking about um, uh, Coach Saban being the highest-paid coach in college football and his Alabama Crimson Tide doing their thing, or we're talking about the Florida Gators you know, picking up one of my former coaches, Randy Shannon, who's now a, um, a an assistant head coach over at in Gainesville, and um, you know, not 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 the defensive coordinator, but an assistant head coach. How do so, you think that's going to impact recruiting down in the my you know Dade and in, in, uh, Broward County? Well, without a doubt, uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna impact it. Um, you know, Randy has some deep ties in the. Into Miami, went to Miami Norland High School, coached at University of Miami for years. Uh, he was a linebacker coach for the Miami Dolphins. As a matter of fact, um, me and you were on the sideline at one one game when uh, Randy was coaching for the Miami Dolphins. I remember that now. Actually, I didn't realize he was there, but I, rem- I remember the game. Yeah, you remember that? Remember that guy? Uh, who's that? Who's that guy that looked at you all crazy when they were doing drills? Buckley. <laughs> oh, Terrell Buckley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a Seminole, though. I can't, yeah, you know, yeah, that's hey. what I expect from, yeah. from 
Florida State guy. So I'm not. That, was, that, was, that was a good time, Sean. Jimmy Johnson was coaching um, for the um, Miami Dolphins at the time, and I knew Jimmy, and uh, I knew Kevin O'Neill, who was an athletic trainer at, at, at for the um, Dolphins, and I called down there, and they gave us some tickets and actually gave us some pregame sideline passes, which turned out to be real cool. Until around halftime, we were still down there on the sideline, and the NFL officials came and told us we had to go to our seats. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was. Hey, couldn't get better. Couldn't get better tickets than that. I tell you. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Hey, we got Gordon on the line. Gordon, what's going on? We welcome back. Welcome to the show, Not Gordon. Much. Sounds like y'all talking about some pretty good NFL stuff. Hey, yeah, you know, I was talking to this my old buddy Sean Kid. I know you know Sean. Hey, Sean, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How you doing? Yeah, Sean. Sean and I were talking about uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We went to a game a couple years ago. But, um, Coach, you know, the Jaguars are, have really struggled throughout the years. And there's actually been talks this year, Sean. I know you're out in Oregon. You may have not have heard this. But, um, you know, um, the, the Jaguars are considering moving to London. There's been some whispers and some rumors of that. I've heard it. I, I, I don't uh, if, if I if I take everything that's coming out of the Jacksonville media, you know, I guess as the the truth, it seems like there's not a whole lot of truth coming from that. But I think Con, Shad Khan said he's committed to staying in Jacksonville. But you know, then again, we've heard that from other cities before too. So you know, I'm hoping they stay there. So yeah, we've heard that from other places before, and um, and 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 this guy Khan, he's a smart businessman. Um, I really think that there's a possibility that this team could leave us. And I've said it on this show before, uh, Sean. And when you lived in the area, me and you could go to a Jaguar game and scalp a ticket for like 30 or 40 bucks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And how, and how long ago was that, Sean? Well, wasn't that long ago. Probably, what, six, seven years, something like that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So six or seven years ago, we were scalping tickets for 30 or 40 bucks. Sean, last year I went to the Jaguars game, and I was scalping tickets for 30 and 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. This guy's not going to keep losing money like that, man. I'm, I'm stealing from him myself. You understand what I'm saying? So, hey, how yeah. many, if I'm stealing from him, how many other people are stealing from him getting tickets for 40 bucks? It's just not, mm-hmm. it's just not a good business plan and i don't see him staying in jacksonville with me going up to the jaguar game buying a ticket for 40 bucks when people are in new york and kansas city and chicago and philadelphia are paying two and three hundred dollars for a ticket yeah i mean that's that's an argument for that i think i think some of those stadiums in particular you know have a have smaller Capacity than than Jacksonville, even though they've you know covered some of their seats. But yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of stuff to do down in Florida. There's a lot of teams in Florida, so sometimes it's it's hard to you know support a bunch of teams. It seems like so. Hopefully, hopefully the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't a you know a victim of that. But when you think about all the teams you've got down there, I mean Jacksonville. I guess the Jaguars are the only game in town in the city of Jacksonville, as opposed to Tampa or Miami. But um, they're going to need some, you know, they're going to need some more fan support. But I think, like any team, I think a lot of the supports would come from whether they win or lose. Because I remember when they were winning and they played in the AFC Championship game, you know, two of the first five years they were in the league, um, 
you know, they were selling out, and, and the tickets were expensive and stuff. And I think, you know, they, fans are looking for a winner, and hopefully hopefully now the new coach, they can, they can produce that. And, and, and you're right. Maybe, maybe this will help them. Winning will help everything for sure. And, and you're right. When Tom Coughlin was here and they were going to AFC Championship, hey, it was a big deal, and we were all behind this team, and and the stadium was sold out, and they didn't have to put things in the corner of the end zone up in the upper level of the end zone because those seats were sold, man. But. Mm-hmm. Sean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The biggest problem with the Jaguars is the is the is the Florida Gators and the Florida State Seminoles. People still spend their money to drive to Tallahassee and Gainesville, and they just you know if you go to a tailgate party in in Tallahassee or Gainesville on a Saturday, you almost don't want to really you really don't feel like getting up to go to a game in Jacksonville on Sunday. Nah, you're absolutely right. Especially when you spent two or three hundred dollars at a game in Gainesville or Tallahassee, probably more than that. No, they're definitely it's, it's definitely more of a college uh, football atmosphere in Northeast Florida. So yes, yeah, and so and I and I think this guy Khan is a smart man, and he may put up with this for two more years, but um, I don't I don't see him putting up with this much longer than this because we look at some other teams, man, around the league that are not very good. That actually, the attendance is is good, and um, I think Jacksonville has a little bit of work to do. But winning hills, winning takes care of everything, and we know that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, we all know that. Yeah. So, hey, man, uh, what, what's your, what's your what's your prediction of the Gators this year? Are we are we looking at a rebuilding year? Are we looking at a contention uh, contender in the SEC? What's going on? Mm, I, I, I'm, it hurts me to say, uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not expecting very much. I mean, their, their problem, they're going to be, they're going to be decent at their skill positions. They're going to have one of the deep, best defenses in the SEC, if not the best secondary in the country, but offensive line wise, they've got nothing. I mean, they have absolutely nothing there. I think they have six guys on scholarship right now, uh, not counting the freshmen that are coming in. And that's just, not going to get it done, and you, you can't hide. And coach, you know, coach will tell you this too. Over, you know, you you got a bad offensive line, you can't hide that because you really can't do anything. You can't pass, you can't run. So, uh, so I'm not expecting a whole lot. I think they're picked fifth of, in the SEC East, and that probably sounds about right. So, all right, I can hope. Hey, As Sean. A fan, you, you know, you always you always start the season out with you know with a lot of hope and, and stuff. But this year, I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to be crushed if they don't you know contend for the SEC because I think it's going to take them a couple of years. So give McElwain a couple of years to see what he can do with the recruiting. So you're giving the Florida Gators new coach McElwain, uh, uh you're giving him a pass this year. Yeah, I think we all have to give him a pass this year. Okay, and and you know, and, and you know, the, the Gators didn't go out and get an Urban Meyer this time uh, or a must champ. They went out and got basically an unknown coach. Um, you know, do you think this is going to make a difference? I think that well, yeah, I I think that McElwain is a proven a proven head coach, something that uh, Muschamp wasn't. Muschamp got his first head coaching job at the University of Florida. 
And uh, I think there was a lot of criticism on Jeremy Foley for doing that um, at the time because, you know, he hadn't proved himself as a, as a, as a head coach. And unfortunately, he, you know, didn't, didn't have a lot of success at Florida as being a head coach. Um, and, you know, there's really, I don't, I don't know what the reasons behind that are. It seems to me that a lot of times, not all the time, because I can think of Bill Belichick as a, as an opposite of the example I'm getting ready to give, but it seems like offensive coordinators usually seem to do better as head coaches. Um, I have my own theory of why, but, you know, I, I don't know, don't really know, so. Hey, hold that thought for us, Sean. Hey, guys, you listen to Sports Info. You, I'm on the Voice America Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, Sean, you want to finish that thought for us, man? Give us your theory on these offense coordinators being, a, being better coaches than defense coordinators. And I agree with you. Well, I well. This is this this is just a one man's opinion, but it seems to me that when you have an offensive coach as as it gets that or an offensive coordinator gets promoted as a head coach, he's going to be D 
dealing with the offense. And he may get a, he may get an offensive coordinator, or he may do it himself, depending on the situation. But he's going to have his hands into the offense. At the same time, it seems to me like offensive coordinators are able to acknowledge they don't have a whole lot of of uh, experience or knowledge in how a defense works, and they will turn it over to a defensive coordinator who knows nothing but defense. On the flip side of that, and I think this is a thing that happened with Muschamp, when a defensive coordinator gets the head job, even though they are, you know, defensive line oriented, they seem like because they're the head coach, they feel like they have to be involved with calling the plays, even though they have no experience in doing so in the past. Now, Muschamp, you know, hired Charlie. Well, he went through a lot of offensive coordinators. We had Charlie Weiss that lasted a year. He had Brent Peace. I think Brent Peace lasted one or two years, I don't remember. But, I mean, some, some coordinators who had proven themselves in the past and yet couldn't seem to, to make it work at Florida. And the only reason I can think of or I can see is that Muschamp decided he was going to have his, his hands in the, in the offense and, and not allow them to call the place, which is one of the criticisms, you know, that they, they had at Muschamp. So whether that's true or not, you know, I don't know. But I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I, everything you said, I agree with. I think sometimes defense coordinators that become offense coordinators, they start sticking their nose in stuff that they don't know about and making decisions that they shouldn't make about offense. Whereas an offense coordinator, I really think a lot of offense coordinators, they want to get another good offensive mind to work with them. And then they work together. But on, on the other hand, I, I, I really think you're right, man. I think these defense, these, these defense coordinators, they start talking offenses, changing offenses, doing things they really, they really shouldn't be doing. And, um, and, and I think Muschamp is a prime example of that. He did a lot of that in Gainesville. I think the, 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 the Gators' offense, offensive scheme changed probably twice while he was there. Oh yeah, that, they they went through you know two or three. Actually, that's more than that. They went through probably three or four coordinators at the time. Which you know one of the things about Jeff Driscoll, who was you know a highly talented five star quarterback coming out of high school and supposed to be maybe if not the best uh, player coming out of high school the year he you know he was he was uh, he signed with Florida and you know he had three different offensive coordinators which never really had a chance. Um, now, whether he could have done it or not, I don't know, but, it, you know, it's hard to say. But, you know, that example we give and we're talking about, you look at Bill Belichick, he's the total opposite. I mean, he's a he's a defensive-minded coach who, you know, you watch him in New England, he'll stick his head in an in a, in a offensive huddle sometimes to see what's going on, but he's not calling the plays. He's completely turned his offense over to a coordinator, be it a, a Charlie Weiss or a Bill O'Brien or, you know, whoever – they have at that particular year, so you um, know, and, and obviously that's been working for them. So, so not I'm not saying any defensive coordinator can be a good head coach because there's certainly a bunch of them out there. Um, Charlie Strong's a good example of that. We were talking about on the break. Uh, you know, he's a defensive coordinator, but I think in a couple of years Texas will get back to to you know winning some ball games and, and be relevant again when they talk about you know contention for a championship. So. You know, and I, I really think that same problem that um, that you talk about might might bite Charlie Strong in the tail. You know, I really think he's one of those guys that might want to stick his nose in that offense when he shouldn't have his nose involved in it at all. You know, at the same time, when, when we look at him and, and uh, what he did with Teddy Bridgewater at Louisville 
this, this kid grew a lot as a quarterback at Louisville, and we see what he's doing now in the NFL. So uh, I think with the right people, uh, Charlie Strong may, may put together a championship team over, over in Texas. Well, as a, as a, a fan of, of Charlie Strong, I hope so, but as a fan of the Gators, I hope not. <laughs> uh, hey, son, we're not going to keep you forever, man. Thank you so much for coming. All right, man. It's good, good talking to you show. guys. I'll uh, talk to you again soon. Gordon, it's good talking to you as well. Okay, buddy. Thank you. Hey, take care, guys. Hey, thanks, Sean. Take care. Hey, coach, you know, uh, anti violence group says Ray Rice deserves another chance. Yeah. <laughs> Does does and Ray Rice have it in his tank to make another chance out of out of a second chance? Well, and he's not a young man. For running, I think some people are kind of worried about his age too. Yeah, we we're worried about his age, but I think um, I think Ray Rice has um, has taken a, a a pounding to be honest with you, uh, and he's not a very big man in stature. Um, you know he's he, he's a, he's a very small man to be honest with you, so I, I think we look at it. We I look at him as a running back and say, wow, you know this guy is five eight, two hundred pounds. You know he's he's been in the league since two thousand and eight. He's had a lot of wear and tear on his body. I think that uh, I think somebody will end up giving him a shot, coach. Oh, I, there's no think? doubt. I, there's no doubt. I think you know everybody give a running back a shot, and everybody and somebody's going to give him a minimum contract and and give him a shot. I just don't think that he has a lot left. Now, on the other hand, um, a year off may have done him a lot of good. You know, um, being away from the game, being able to see things differently, being able to look at it, appreciate it more and wishing and wishing and wishing that you had an opportunity to go back on the field. If someone gives him an opportunity, I think he's going to appreciate it a whole lot more, and I think he's going to take advantage of it in a very big way. Uh, well, I think that uh, it's like Adrian Peterson, Coach. I think Adrian Peterson is saying his legs have never felt better. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, because he's had a whole lot of time off. But <clears throat> Agent Peterson, I think he's he's a different animal. You know, we talked about him earlier saying he wants to run for two thousand five hundred yards this year. I, I I actually can I, I I can see that because I think he's coming back as an angry man. I mean, he's angry at at the Vikings. He's angry at the NFL. He he's he's angry at the fans. I think he's really coming back. Just coming back. Just with a lot of vengeance and violence. So I, I, I see this Adrian Peterson. Um, I see him different. I, re, I really do. I think he's, he's going to do things a little bit different than um, than um, than Ray, he's going. He's in a whole different ball game than Ray Rice. You know, uh, Adrian Peterson has already renegotiated his contract. Probably going to make twenty million dollars per year for the next three years. Uh, Ray Rice is struggling to get $1.2 million for one year. Well, I think uh, that what we'll see is, I think we'll see that Adrian Peterson will have that kind of year that uh, 
he has in the past. And it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how he responds the rest of this year. Uh, if he stays healthy, I think uh, the Vikings will have a pretty good season because I think this Kyle Randolph kid is healthy and uh, Norm Turner has always used the tight end a lot everywhere he's at. And I think he's really saying a lot of things about how good he feels like Bridgewater is. I I really think that um, the way Teddy Bridgewater played last year and to see this young man and know people that know this young man in Miami and to hear them talk about how serious he is about the game and how hard he works, I, I only expect his game to go to another level this season. And with someone like Adrian Peterson and his um, and his body of work, what he's laid down, I, I think Bridgewater is only going to lean on that and take advantage of it. And I really think we're going to see this young man take his game to another level. And um, I'd, I'd, I'd stick my head out on a limb and say, um, I, uh, my neck out on a limb and say, uh, I think the Vikings are probably going to go to the playoffs this year. Coach, I think you might be right. I think uh, that uh, th- their combination of what they've got, they've always had a good defense, and I think their defense is going to be just as good as normal. But I, I think there's a couple of teams that are going to be surprises. I think uh, I like how Jeff Fisher's been putting uh, the Rams together, and I think that uh, uh, Nick Nolte, uh, Foles has a, a chip on his shoulder, and I think the girly kid, from Georgia is going to surprise some people. I don't, I don't doubt that um, girl is going to surprise some people, but I really think, um, I think Gurley has, has to be healthy and I just hope he doesn't um, push himself to come back too quick. And um, I, I, I really hope he doesn't push himself to come back too quick, but I, I, I expect some good things from him this season, coach. I'm just not so sure that it's going to be um, early in the season that we expect some things out of him. But as far as Nick Foles is concerned, I think he's going to come out blazing. Uh, I, I think he's another guy that has something to prove to himself, has something to prove to the league. I really think he's he, he he's, he's angry with the Philadelphia Eagles to, to put up the kind of numbers he put up and for them to just cut him for, for Sam Bradford. I really think that um, – He's gonna he's gonna make a difference this year for that team, and I think this is this is just what Jeff Fisher needed a, a solid, strong, big quarterback, a, a, a stand in the pocket quarterback, somebody that doesn't mind running the ball a little bit. You know, um, not that he reminds me of Steve McNair, but um, Jeff Foles does stand big and tall in the pocket like Steve McNair, and, and he doesn't mind taking off running it. Now he doesn't run like. Steve McNair, but he 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 will he will tuck in and take off with it. Well, I hope you're right. Uh, I've always been a Jeff Fisher fan, and uh, I think uh, you know that I think that the people of St. Louis have been pretty patient, and uh, I hope that uh, they get what they want. I, I, I hope they get what they want to. They they deserve it. Um, you know, St. Louis fans they've been very patient, and uh, and and they 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 do deserve to 
to get something that resembles a um, a, a, a championship or, or a playoff team. You know, and I, and I and I'm sure the fans in St. Louis would be happy with the with the playoff team. You know, so Dick. Uh, I think I was trying to think of the last coach to say uh, the the Rams had when they went to the um, to the Super Bowl, the best show. Well, on you know, turf. think about it. You know, Dick Vermeil won the Super Bowl with them. Yes, and then uh, the guy that was the passing guru for Dick Vermeil got the job. And they 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 had a couple of good years, and then they kind of fell apart. Uh, sure. But uh, I uh, I think that uh, they may be one of the surprise teams. I think, uh, like we were talking about earlier, I think the Vikings might be a surprise team this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Oh yeah, it it, it will be interesting to see. And um, you know, I, I guess how many stories are we going to listen to? from last year that just run on to this year. You know, last year the big story was Jay Gruden. This year already the story is is, is Jay Gruden and Robert. You know, is Robert going to end Jay Gruden's career as a head coach in the NFL because he can't fix Robert? You know, Robert Griffin III has to take a little bit of this blame himself. You know, um, how many coaches is he going to go through? Well, you know, uh, you know, Mike Shanahan won two Super Bowls, Coach, and they got rid of him. Yeah. I mean, he had one good year. He had one good year with the kid, and then the kid started, well, my perspective, started backstabbing him and uh, ended up costing him his job. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if the owner's going to stick with Jay Gruden and uh, let uh, Robert go through some more people or not. I don't know. You know, Robert continues to um, to be a question mark for a lot of people, uh, and I guess the Redskins have to um, they have to stick with him without a question. But how much longer are they going to stick with this guy if he's not going to be producing this year? Well, I know this that uh, that there's already talk that supposedly uh, Griffin has been you know practicing real hard and doing a bunch of stuff in the offseason. So maybe he learned his lesson. I don't know, Coach. I just don't think that, uh, you know, I was real disappointed. I thought the kid was going to be something special. And uh, when the chips were down, I I wasn't too pleased with how he acted. Yeah, and neither was I. But I guess, you know, when you hear stories like Jay Gruden was brought in to fix Robert Griffin, you know, can you really fix Robert Griffin, or is it is it possible to? Is he a psychiatrist or a psychologist? And I think that's partly what Robert needs more than um more than the the mechanics of his game. Uh, well, I think you know, uh, you know how hard it is for that step up, uh, that you know that from the NFL uh, from college. And I think Robert was misled in his own ability that first season, and which caused him to get injured, and uh, and then he never has regained that kind of confidence, and he just didn't understand that those kind of people that you play in the NFL, uh, those defensive players run a whole lot faster than what you see in college. 
Exactly, Coach. And, uh, and Robert Griffin is a prime example of um, how the NFL starts to prepare for you. You know, you may get away with a few things every once in a while, but when they start to, to game plan for you, oh, it's, it's on. You know, when they make oh, specific yeah. game plans for you, it's on. And he, he became a guy that, that thought he could out, actually outrun defenses. And you just can't do that in that league. You know, um, Johnny Manziel is another guy that's, that's quickly learning that. You cannot outrun these guys. You have to do what you're supposed to do. Stand in the pocket and release the ball. Teddy Bridgewater is showing him, hey, you got to stand in the pocket and, and release the ball. If you start running around, your career will end up like Roberts, and that's somebody that's going to be – limping his way through his career um, because he's he's really if he think he can do what he did um, three years ago today this year oh he's going to be sadly mistaken and um, he's really going to have to make some adjustments in his game and I really hope that he's made those adjustments in the offseason and I hope that he comes back this year and show us those adjustments that he's made standing in the pocket finding the open receivers reading the defenses making competent decisions. Hey, I really think this guy this guy can do it. He could be a Tom Brady if he if he puts his mind to it. But if he thinks that he's going to be a a Steve McNair all the time running the ball, that's just not going to happen. Um it's it's not going to work. And he doesn't have the body type. Coach, he doesn't have the body type to hold up to that. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. And, and and but he does have the body type of a Tom Brady. He's six four oh, and a sure. half, two two twenty. He's not a he's a, he's a slender guy. Yep. Hey guys, you listen to Sports Info UM on the Voice America Radio. We'll be right back with more sports information. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host JD Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies Handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you ready to talk sports with a passion? Get ready for Cheap Shots with Luther Broughton and Micah Warren. We'll start off with the NFL pretty much always, but the talk moves along from there. We'll talk about the events of the week, opinions from the big names, and predictions of what's to come. Plus, we'll get to hear from you, the ultimate fan. Don't let the name of the show fool you. We're in it for the good stuff. Cheap Shots can be heard live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Coach Junior Gillette was released by the New Orleans Saints. And this was their number one pass rusher, their number one sacker for the last two years, released released yesterday. And, you know, there's a story out that he did a bunch of tweeting from his girlfriend's Twitter account about bashing a, um, bashing a team. Is this a reason to fire someone? I don't know, Coach. I think that they're undoubtedly, uh, they're definitely felt like that it was uh, justifiable because, like you said, he was he was one of their better people on defense. Yeah, I guess my question is, um, don't these guys understand that if you go out and talk bad about the company that you work for, it's not going to look good in the eyes of the company that you work for, the people that write your checks, the people that, that sign your bonuses, the people that pay for the planes that you ride in to go to work in different states. I just don't think they look good. They, they don't look highly upon guys that bash them and, and say violent and filthy words about them uh, on social media. This just doesn't go well with the organizations. Well, Coach, I think, you know, it's just like you're saying, it's pretty sad. You know, here's a young man making a lot of money and uh, and then thinks that he can get away by using his, his girlfriend's Twitter account. But his information that he gave undoubtedly in this tweet was definitely from the perspective of only a player could give, you know. So, you know, then he tried to come back and say, hey, I didn't, you know, that wasn't me. Uh, you know, I you know I think it's uh, not very smartly thought through by him. Oh, I I would agree totally. And 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 most times when you don't think about what you're doing, you make bad decisions. And this is another prime example of a of a young man probably had a few too many drinks. Probably was not really considering what he was saying. Didn't, he wasn't considering the consequences of what he was saying when he said what he said. And this is just another um, example of poor judgment that's probably going to cost this young man millions of dollars. Um, but at the same time, Coach, we know that there's a place for him somewhere in the NFL, whether it's with the Cowboys or, or the Miami Dolphins or some NFL team is going to sign this young man to another contract, and he's probably going to end up getting paid twice this year. Well, I think what's going to happen, Coach, is he's going to end up um, being one of those guys that, you know, ends up saying, hey, you know, I don't understand how this happened. You know, but he's, you know, he's, he's, you know, one of those young men that we've talked about that just doesn't understand what the accountability is. 
you know, speaking of accountability, you know, we talk about this guy, Chris Johnson. He's not far from where I live at, and um, he lives in Orlando, Florida. Well, Chris is now being accused of um, of renting a Rolls Royce. Now, I, I wonder why anyone would need to rent a Rolls Royce. But uh, he kept the car for three days extra at $1,000 per day. That cost him $3,300. Um, he had 500 extra miles on the car. At a dollar fifty per mile, uh, that cost him seven hundred and fifty dollars. And then, coach, he did some damage to the grill of this uh, Rolls Royce, that cost him twelve thousand dollars, coach. So, you know, and and here's a guy that's looking for a job. Now, not right. only does he rent a Rolls Royce for a week or so or however long, but he causes damage to the car. I just don't think teams that are looking for a backup running back, they don't want to deal with this kind of this kind of crap, you know. And it just doesn't look good for him, for someone that's applying for a job, and and he is a person that's applying for a job, whether he understands it or not. For him to be out here wrecking um, lease cars and and just not being responsible, it's a terrible thing. Well, you know, Coach, what bothers me is that, uh, I mean, here's a guy that gets shot in the off season, you know, involved in that mess that he was involved in. And the person that he and, was with got killed. Yeah. And then he turns around and does this. Uh, you know, I mean, just shows, you know, for a guy, he, I mean, he's not that young a guy. He should have some common sense. I mean, he's been in the league a while. And, uh, it, it, you know, I, I don't know why, um, you know, why we do this, you know, it just doesn't seem, uh, you know, that, uh, he's thinking it through at all. Well, yeah. And, and uh, I agree with you, coach. He's definitely not um, using his head, but. Here's the story out now, just not out not long ago, that uh, Chris Johnson agent is in contract and is in con- contact with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, hey, well, the Cowboys don't need another running back coach. Hey, uh, there's a possibility he could be in talks with the Cowboys. I, um, I, I still think he can play in the league. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I wonder, does the league want him to play in it? And that's that's what I that's my concern for Chris is that you know you almost put yourself in a position where people don't want you, you know he's 29 years old now um, he he may have two more years left in it in his tank I hope he does but um and and I hope he gets the best out of it you know uh, I, I, a a real feel good story um um I read a couple of days ago that Rashid Mathis. Uh, played at Bethune Cookman, played for the Jacksonville Jaguars for a long time. Uh, had signed two one-year contracts with the Detroit Lions, but this year they signed him to a two-year contract. So it just wasn't a one-year, one-year. They signed him to a two-year contract, give him a little more stability. But he earned that by keeping his nose clean and and just doing what he's always done, and that's being a productive player on the field. 
and not being in the newspaper and on the internet for silly stuff like wrecking a Rolls Royce? Well, you know, I think that, you know, you know, you would think, Coach, uh, that after um, after what happened uh, with the shooting, that he would be smart enough to realize that he had to keep his nose clean, uh, but uh, undoubtedly not. Well... And without question, he does. He hasn't figured that out, Coach. But, Coach, before we go, you know, the bullying victim, Jonathan Martin, is retiring from the NFL. And it, it, the NFL is just not a place where you can come out and say you've been a victim of being bullied. Um, I just, just from being around it and being around the testosterone, I just know that people say things when they got you on the ground or people say things when we all piled up in a pile. People do things when we're all piled up in a pile. And I can only imagine that this, this young man has had to go through some things and had to hear some probably vulgar and violent things after he came out and said that he was bullied by another player in, in his league. Well, Coach, you know, I, you know, like you're saying, I, I can't believe anybody that's played any real football. Uh, it hasn't been called or, you know, uh, try to get into your head by saying ugly stuff to you. And so, you know, I, I, I'm surprised the kid uh, doesn't understand that's part of the game. I mean, maybe it shouldn't be, but in reality, it is. It is, Coach. And and in a real world, it wouldn't be. In a real world, people wouldn't be talking about your mama. In a real world, people wouldn't say say that they're going to actually kill you the next time we line up beside each other. And 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 some of these fools actually in in their mind somewhere they want to kill you because they want to hit you as hard as they can and just embarrass you or make you feel like you are in inferior. So. I know this guy has had to go through a lot of, um, of a lot of just. I hate to put it, but bullying by other athletes in his sport, and I really think that Jonathan Martin was ran out of the game. I don't think that he left because he wanted to. I don't think he left because he wasn't good enough to play. I don't think he left because um, he did something wrong to somebody. I think this young man was bullied out of the league. Well, Coach, uh, you know, if you love the game, I'm not going to let anybody take it away from me. And, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, I, you know, I think that uh, you've got to be have enough kahunas to say, hey, you're not going to do this to me. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in this league and you can't get me out. Hey, I think I said it last year, Coach. I think I said Richie Incognito will be back in the league, and this kid might not be in the league very long. Well, Richie Incognito is working out for teams, and we'll probably definitely see him on somebody's roster this year. And Incognito and uh, and, uh, Jonathan Martin 
says he's um he's hanging it up. So I think we're yeah. seeing two different uh, spectrums, and I I really think Incognito has learned something from this. I really think he has learned something from this. I'm not so well, sure think, about Jonathan. I think Martin. he was so John. Yeah, I think uh, I've always thought that he was getting mixed signals from the locker room that they were trying to say that this kid needed to be toughened up. And so he was thinking that he was doing just that, that he was toughening the kid up by, you know, uh, saying and doing things to him. And then when the kid came out and said, Hey, you know, you're, you know, uh, you're bullying me. Uh, I would feel real. I would feel real uneasy as a coach or a teammate of that guy, because now what do I say around him? What can hey, I say coach, around him? I tell you what we say. Let's stop bullying. Let's be nicer. Let's show more sportsmanship. Hey, guys, you're listening to Sports Info UM, and we thank you for listening to this show. We'll be back next week with more sports information. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.